The European Patent Office podcasts bring you an insight into the technology and innovation shaping the world. Hello and welcome to this podcast from the European Patent Office. Climate change is one of the biggest challenges of our times. And it's often said, especially by politicians, that technology and innovation, particularly in the field of renewable energies, can help combat the warming of the planet. Wind power makes an important contribution to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and it is currently the fastest growing global source of electricity. In today's episode, we will hear more about PhosphorX, a spin-out from the German Technical University of Munich, which was founded by five young researchers who developed new sensor technology to make wind turbines more efficient. And by doing so, they've brought the Internet of Things to the wind parks. My name is Stephanie Weber, I'm a member of the European Intellectual Property Help Desk, and we've teamed up with EPO to bring you a new series of case studies centered around successful technology transfer. And the case of PhosphorX is part of it. With us here today is Professor Alexander Koch, Director of the Institute for Measurement Systems and Sensor Technology at the Technical University of Munich, and the first and only university professor I know who is also a qualified European patent attorney. Plus, he is a huge promoter of entrepreneurship with a track record of, and now drumroll please, six successful startups originating from his institute, one of which was PhosphorX. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today, Professor Koch. Hello, Stephanie. Thanks for having me here. It's our pleasure. And also joining us is Dr. Christian Hackel, who is a renowned innovation management and technology transfer expert and the author of the case study. Glad to have you with us, Christian. Hello, Stephanie. Hello, Alexander. Great to be here today. Professor Koch, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about the technology that actually built the basis for PhosphorX and the advantages it brings compared to existing technologies in that field. Well, the invented sensor technology is based on fiber optic sensing. This is an optical measurement technology for high resolution measurement of mechanical quantities such as stress, temperatures. We try to build up smart materials wherein the nervous system of these smart materials are fiber optic sensors. And in the case of wind turbine technology, this technique has um, many advantages concerning electromagnetic compatibility, for example, and um, the possibility to be resistant against lightning. So optical sensors in general <clears throat> uh, provide a powerful tool for detecting stress, ice coatings, vibrations, etc. at the turbine plates. And as I understood, um, and also to bring Christian into the conversation, this technology has been developed um, in a research project. Um, Christian, maybe you could tell us a little bit more how, you know, about the journey from sort of this research project then leading actually to the the spin-out company PhosphorX. Well, it's been sort of an interesting journey. And um, obviously, it's a, it's a very interesting and sort of challenging part because I always try to explain it. It's basically two separate worlds. The one is the scientific world and the other is if you're really trying to, to form a spin out and be successful on the market. And so there, there are many bits and pieces which need to come together. But I think this, this transformation from the scientific world to the business world, to the business understanding is a very, very critical part because it's totally different set of criteria. It can be a great science, but it has to be a value for the customer so that the customer is willing to pay. And um, we've already heard in the introduction, so Professor Koch, I mean, this is a, an outstanding track record, six spin-outs originating from your institute. So what's uh, the magic behind all that? What's your trick? So what does your institute do 
to encourage and facilitate actually the, the creation of such uh, spin-out companies and as phosphorics is one of the six that we mentioned. The, the research work at our institute, that's the Institute for Measurement Systems and Sensor Technology, in itself is very application-oriented. Still in, in the early processes of this research work, we do not just think about increasing the scientific publication report, but also about protecting a possible intellectual property. And the creation of such companies as PhosphorX has been based on selection of um, highly motivated and innovative PhD students, where I was very lucky. These PhD students um, were very keen to carry out original research, but they also show an entrepreneurial mindset. Under the EXIST funding program, which is a, a German government startup, we were able to support uh, for PhD students in our laboratory. And besides that, the students were allowed to start their company under the umbrella of the institute. And we've heard about this program. Maybe, Christian, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about the role of patents that actually, you know, played or what role did patents play in actually receiving such a fund, but then also in the further growth of the company? Yeah, obviously, patents are very, very important. But let me just comment or add a comment before to what Alexander just said. You quite often have uh, really a team of very, very highly motivated students But as I said before, this sort of transformation from one world to the other is a big step. And obviously, it helps so much if there is this entrepreneurial spirit at the university in this research group, because sometimes a research group is, is, is more purely academic. And then it's, it's this step into the business world is so much bigger and more difficult. And, and here at Alexander's chair, there is this entrepreneurial spirit, this business thinking, this basic understanding of patents. That's what make it, uh, I would say, a bit easier for the, for the students to start their journey into the business world. Well, and I mean, now that we're speaking of that, I mean, I would have touched upon that a little later, but clearly we have an outstanding <laughs> figure here um, who is not only a professor, but also a qualified European patent attorney. Um, I think this is very rare, we have to admit, though you're a shining example in that regard. Sort of how does it help your work, Professor Koch, being a European patent attorney, the teaching of students and the work that you do? What advantages does it bring? Well, I, I see it as a very interesting connecting link between science and industrial application. I, I was always interested in, in a deeper understanding of the patenting procedure, in particular at the EPO and also regarding PCT procedures. And this means procedures are laid out in the Patent Corporation Treaty. And if you look in this treaty, it is mentioned already in the preamble of the PCT that the contracting states desire to make a contribution to the progress of science and technology. And that is the first sentence in the PCT. And I think we can do it by this connecting link. I always thought to work both as a university institute director and as a European patent attorney is, according to my opinion, a mutually beneficial process for such progress of science and technology. On the one hand, I think time-consuming and often expensive research work can be protected for possible return of investment using the procedure which we do of uh, patenting before publishing. And on the other hand, the knowledge of analyzing patent portfolios and patenting activities in the world itself is a source for creating new ideas and securing the freedom to operate. Following what you've just said, I presume you would recommend others to follow your example, although it's probably a huge 
amount of work in addition to your academic work, I could imagine. Uh, I would definitely encourage the university to install more increasing patent knowledge, be it in the form of innovation agents in the individual departments and also in the form of qualified European patent attorneys helping the university to protect the elaborated knowledge. And I guess it shows the, the importance of, of, of patents. And sorry, Stephanie, I actually didn't answer your, <laughs> your, your, your previous question. The importance of the, of the, of the patents, uh, we heard about it in general here. And, and in this case, more specifically, I guess it was very, very important for the, for the team. Obviously, first, you have to secure your, your, your knowledge base, so to say, your invention to protect it. But then it helped to attract finance. And I mean, finance money is, is, is a very critical success factor for the startups. You already heard about the special funding scheme in Germany. They put a strong, or they still place a strong emphasis on the IP protection. They require it, actually. And they also, interesting note, they require that one member of the team has really a sound business understanding. So in this case, as you can read in the case study, it was interesting that one of the PhD students sort of left to the business world Uh, spent some time in consulting and then came later on back to the to the team and was one of the the founders and then, then later on actually the CEO. But also patents, in addition to the helping attract finance, I would say it's sort of call it a seal of quality or so. It helps to attract customer and also get attention from the industry. So we had several cases where it's been difficult at the very beginning for the startup to convince your partners, for example, from the industry, that you have a great new technology. But if you can tell them, hey, I have a patent on this one, it sort of helps them to get the foot in the door to start the conversation. Even though we all know that uh, having a patent is no proof that the technology itself is working, but it still <laughs> sort of it, it helps the team. Yeah, I also had the feeling that the strong IP portfolio and this very consistent strategy that the company had from the very beginning is like a red thread through the company's journey. And also to, let's say, the, the exit actually of Phosphorex because it was acquired by a larger company recently. And maybe you could share some thoughts and, you know, what role IP played in the actual acquisition of that company um, by the larger company as well? Well, actually, it, it, it played a very, very important role. I mean, here we're talking about an impressive portfolio of, uh, if I remember correctly, 200 patents in, in about 80 patent families. So that's, that's really an important asset of the company. But in addition, what they told me, it was not only the patent base itself, but also The people and the processes they've established in the company Phosphorex, which the, the other company really, really liked so much and, and appreciated very much. And actually both the person who were responsible for the IP topic and also for the innovation management topic in Phosphorex are now responsible sort of in the headquarter, so to say. So to make sure that the whole group can profit from the know-how and processes established in Phosphorex. Yeah, I found that very interesting too. And Professor Koch, coming back to, to the technology and the invention, um, you mentioned the, let's say, the hardware part of it, but there's also a huge software component to that invention. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more of what role the software played and also with regard to the future and protection of innovations that are very much software related. Some thoughts? With us to share on that one? Yes, it's really true um, that um, the development of appropriate software plays a major role in innovation in measurement systems and sensor technology. But in order to be able to patent software-related inventions, these must have a technical character. This means that a computer program must produce a further technical effect when run on a computer. 
And such further technical effect is an effect going beyond the normal physical interactions between, between the program or a software and the computer or hardware on which the program is run. Yeah, and I found it quite striking that actually Phosphorex employees has more sort of employees in the field of software development now than, than actual technicians. Just one question, Professor Koch, are you still in touch with the team, the basic group that founded Phosphorex and is now sort of part of that larger company? Are you still in touch? Do you share experiences? The team started in the institute under the umbrella of the institute. And then in 2012, they left the institute and rent their own rooms. But we have still a very close contact with them via a master students, bachelor students working in the company and being supervised at the institute. And Christian, with your experience, what for you, I mean, you mentioned already some, but what are for you the most um, you know, important ingredients for a technology transfer and, and, and how do you see the role and importance of industry partnerships? As I mentioned before, it's basically understand your market and the possible applications is very important. Then obviously, yes, context to industry is really important if you're talking to uh, about uh, B2B connections, because you really have to understand what the, uh, what the industry needs, your industrial partner. And sometimes it's difficult to, to, to approach them to find the right person. So it really helps very much if there is, as in our case here, sort of established um, corporations to industry by the chair of the institute, for example. So um, it helps a lot. And it's also important, really, if you sit down and try to talk to your partner, sort of try to speak their language. Sometimes startup or founders, especially in such a technical environment as here is the Technical University of Munich, uh, they are so much in their own sort of technology. They have to sort of think a little bit more in market terms, make your potential partner interested in the technology and applications. And then basically, if they have sort of caught the interest, then really dive down and explain the technology. And especially, I mean, what we heard about this um, special funding scheme, again, in addition to money, a startup team has the, the option that they can stay at the university for a certain time using the equipment of the university, using the contacts of the institute. This all obviously helps very, very much. If this is possible, a startup team should really take advantage of such an option. Professor Koch, you mentioned IP awareness and that you encourage students uh, very early on to, to uh, you know, think about IP protection. How do your students benefit from your knowledge and expertise as a patent attorney? How does that look in practice? Yeah, we discussed already is that it's sometimes a problem that too much knowledge leaves the university just for free without patenting, but the university has um, also another output and these are our very well-educated students. According to my opinion, it's actually a great benefit if the students get some knowledge about the patents. For example, how to read a patent. And I uh, also like to train the students um, with respect to formulating at least a draft of the patent claims, which then can be supervised of, uh, by patent attorney. I also encourage the students think innovative and um, use um, materials which are accessible for free, such as uh, databases via Espasnet or Adwipo. And so in practice, those uh, are topics that you address in your seminars or workshops or 
there are also roundtables, I heard. We have a um, weekly roundtable where we study innovation and where we talk about the recent developments, whether they are new, whether they comprise an inventive step such that it makes sense to file patent applications. Mm-hmm. And to really sort of get them and um, provide the basic understanding of how the um, patent world works. This is great. Professor Koch, are there any further aspects that you would like to underline? Any advice that you would give to researchers or, or startups? I would like to say it is an, an, a good idea um, to uh, think innovative from, from the beginning and not just to focus on increasing the publication report, but also to think at least in the institutes which are working application-oriented about the future application and how to protect the possible intellectual property. Christian, anything to add? From your end, yes. Don't only see the, sort of the negative side of the of the patent, <laughs> if I'm allowed to say negative, because some some students they say, "Oh my God, patents! I don't understand them. They are expensive. They are complicated to read." Yes, of course, it's a, it's a different world, but see the positive side. And as Alexander just said, it helps avoid duplication of research, but it also gives you so much information for free, information on the market, sort of market intelligence. Who might be potential partners or customers? Uh, again, talking about the B2B world. So there's so much information in the patent database, very structured information, easy to research and yes, for free in these uh, databases. So I think patent, yes, for protecting your invention, but also a lot of business intelligence for free. That's excellent. Thank you very much once again, Professor Koch and Christian, for your time and for sharing your experience and insights with us. It's with these recommendations that this podcast comes to an end. If you would like to know more about Phosphorix and the fascinating technology transfer story behind it, or if you indeed would like to know more about any of the other case studies, then please visit epo.org slash case studies. If you've enjoyed this podcast about a real company at the sharp end of technology transfer, then check out more EPO podcasts based on the other case studies. But for today, thanks for listening and we hope you'll be back soon for another Talk Innovation podcast. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye and servus. Servus aus München. Subscribe to the European Patent Office's podcast channel Talk Innovation at epo.org or on your favorite podcast platform. Let's Talk Innovation.